Spending time with our chickens has become one of my most favourite things to do. And as I learn about them, I've also been learning about my relationship with God. Reading from Isaiah chapter 55 verses 6 to 11. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Reading from Psalm 139. O Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We keep chickens. We have a flock of 12 in our back garden. 
Looking after them has been a wonderful journey of discovery. Who knew chickens were such fun? They each have their own personality and little quirks. They make a variety of different sounds. There's a gentle, contented, occasional cluck when all is calm. Some make a quiet sound when they're sitting on the nest laying. Sounds as though they're humming to themselves. There's a loud, irritated sound the older ones make when they're re-establishing the pecking order. And my favourite is an excited series of clucks at different pitches and rhythms that a couple in particular make when they come out of the coop from laying. Hetty is the inquisitive one. Whenever I'm in with them cleaning the coop, she always comes over to investigate, chattering her away. I imagine in my head what she's saying, having conversations with her. I always assume she's commenting on my cleaning abilities and making criticisms. There's a word for that, anthropomorphism, which is when you attribute human thoughts and feelings to animals. For example, when you say the dog looked guilty. Picture the scene. Your dog helps himself to the cereal bowl you turned your back on for a moment to retrieve the phone that was ringing. Is he really looking guilty? Does he really know that he's been naughty? Does he understand what naughty means? Or is he simply recognising the look on your face or the tone of your voice and realise that you're not happy with him? Possibly not even knowing why. As humans, we do this a lot, don't we? We sometimes give our car or bike or boat a name and refer to it as him or her. As a teenager, my first car was a Hillman Imp. It was an Efreg, so I called it Freddy. People at work often asked what I was doing at the end of the day or at weekends, and I never really knew what to say because I was quite a quiet, stay-at-home kind of girl. And so I started saying I was going out with Freddy, just as a joke really for something to say. Went on for ages, some of them didn't realise for months who or what Freddy was. As well as giving animals and objects human traits and emotions, we all too often try to do this with God. We try to explain things within the human context. We ascribe emotions to God, depending on our own understanding. For example, during the fire and brimstone teaching days, God was given frightening traits of anger, wrath, judgment and fear. I've heard various messages about the passage we heard from Psalm 139, some taking the idea that God knows our thoughts with a more negative approach, looking at the words as perhaps a warning. God knows all your deepest thoughts. You can't have secrets from him, so you'd better behave because God's watching you and knows what you're up to. There have also been messages using the words as reassurance. God knows us intimately. He cares deeply for us. He understands our thoughts and fears and worries and wants to put his arm around us and encourage and care for us. Differing messages based on the same verses from the Bible and I know I've needed to hear both at different times in my life. Which brings us back to this worrying thought, can we put words into God's mouth? Do we portray him in human terms and try to explain or understand him? I can think of a time when I seemed to let God down again and again in similar ways. And I remember turning to him in prayer saying something like, I'm really sorry I let you down in this way again. 
You must be really fed up of hearing me saying sorry for the same thing over and over. I was, in hindsight, limiting God with human emotions. Would our amazing, all-powerful, everlasting God really be fed up? Thankfully, our God is greater than that. He is the creator and sustainer of the world. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. As we read in Isaiah, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The wonderful truth is that this amazing God loves us so much that he was prepared to suffer in our place so that we can live in relationship together. God cares for each of us as individuals. He knows everything about us and longs for us to put our trust in him and live in his love. But this is our personal decision. Each of us must make our choice to follow him. Inevitably, that means there will be opportunities for those who don't follow God to humanise and limit him, to use words from the Bible for their own agenda, bringing confusion and pain. But that's where discernment comes in, beginning to recognise God at work in our lives, becoming more mature in our faith, not just accepting any, anything and everything we hear, but questioning and thinking things through, checking them with what the Bible says, and praying for wisdom and guidance. Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonia, says, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So we can have confidence in God's love for us and reassurance that he will guide us as we put our trust in him. Paul's words to the Thessalonians also remind us of our responsibilities towards each other. We are not single entities. We live in community with those around us and we are told to pray for others. Praying for others has been something I've struggled with, not because I don't want to pray for them, but more this feeling of putting words into God's mouth, praying for someone and it seeming like I'm telling God what to do, or feeling overwhelmed by a situation and having no idea what to pray for. I was introduced to prayers of radiation by a retired minister years ago, and they've stayed with me and become the way I prefer to pray for others. So, let's spend a few moments sharing prayers of radiation. The idea is that we think about people, places and situations. We try to visualise them, to have a picture of them in our mind. And then we send our love to them. We radiate our love to them. And we pray that God's love and power will radiate also, bringing his special touch to them. We start with the people we know and love the most. Those closest to us, our family, our close friends. Picture them in your mind and send your love to them. Imagine their faces, radiate your love to them. 
And now clear that screen from your mind and think about our neighbours, the people who live next door, the people who live in our street, the people we see as we put the bins out every week, people we chat to over the fence when we're doing the gardening. Picture them in your minds and radiate your love towards them. And then we're going to clear that screen from our minds and we're going to think about our local community. People that you see regularly might not even know their names. People that you see on the bus, on the train. When you're out walking the dog, you see the same people every time. People in the local shop, the person who serves you every morning for your cup of coffee or your newspaper. to those people in your local community, perhaps colleagues from community groups or from church. Picture them in your minds and send your love out to them. And now let's clear those screens and we're going to think of the people we know personally who are sick or ill, bereaved, anxious, perhaps waiting for tests or for the results of tests, or waiting for operations or treatments. People are fearful for the future, finding life difficult to cope with. Picture those people that you know who are in need at this time and picture them in your minds and radiate your love to them. And now we're going to clear that screen and we're going further afield again. We're going to think about our country. Perhaps politicians, perhaps the royal family, or people or situations in our country that you feel concerned about. Picture them in your mind. Imagine the photos or the TV screens that you've seen. and Picture them in your mind and send your love to them. And then we clear that screen and we're going right out into the wider world. I want you to think of people and places that you've heard about or read about and that concern you at this time. Probably a, a Zoom screen full of little boxes of all the different areas and places because there's so much concern in the world at the moment. Picture those that have spoken to you and radiate your love to them. And as we clear those pictures from our minds, we just pray that God will go with those thoughts and bring his power and his love into those situations.
in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved. <laughs>